you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. The Around the League Podcast kills it at Trivia Night. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room full of heroes. Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal, and Mark Sessler. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Still wiping the cobwebs out because Wessling and I were here working overtime last night for the big game. You know, I it's you did it, it was an it was overtime fun. game, great game. I actually watched it on DVR because I was working on one of our midseason uh, write ups. And uh, one, it wasn't Greg's fault, but he he provided a spoiler alert via text, alerting <laughs> me that the Dolphins won uh, when I before I watched. And then I got up early this morning to watch the game, and my DVR ran up ran at, ran out as Caleb Sturgis planted his leg to kick <laughs> the game tying field goal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was an expletive shouted out very loud at that point, but luckily I was able to go uh, and watch it on the computer. That's like a modern-day Heidi. Yeah. I should was... not be responsible, though, for blowing the spoiler. I didn't know you. You know, it's a live well, football game. You. I'm people, just saying it's, that's what happened. People text during games. You know, this I, happens. You have to understand, I shut down TweetDeck when I was working. I had to go back and forth on the website repeatedly <laughs> to pull videos up for the post I was working on. And every time I went to the homepage, I blurred my vision so I couldn't see the score. And I actually pulled it off despite working on the NFL website for like mm. three hours. But what you are you going to do? You have issues. <laughs> Doesn't it defeat the purpose of a DVR to have it run out? Yes. The, the only purpose of a DVR is for you to be able to watch... The whole thing of what you want to watch. It's the one thing the DVR, which is a magnificent innovation <laughs> in television, they haven't mastered live sports events. Well, uh, they always ask if you want to add the extension. And I did. Yeah, you and I've learned. That minutes. doesn't account for an overtime that goes into five no. minutes left. I've learned just add like four hours. What's the worst that could happen? That's what I should have done. What are you going to do? Hey. Anyway, but let's talk about that game. That was a crazy game, a 22-20 Dolphins win. I believe Greg and I got it right. 
right? And Mark. In this room. And Sessler. Only yeah. 13% of the country picked that game right. That's still and that's, that's still millions of thousands of people. Right, but that's, that's, that's a pretty, lot of people. That's a pretty big upset, according to America. Three of us got it. Right, and, and the ending, I've never seen, I don't know if you guys remember a game ending like that, but to end on a safety, that was a pretty fun game to watch. This there is the beginning been, uh, of Wes's total tumble down the standings <laughs> in the picks. That was <laughs> the third walk-off safety in NFL history. Wow. But it was the first really... Def- I think it was the first sack walk-off. How about that? Because the other ones Hold were walk-off. a block punt safety and something else, a fumble safety, and this was a sack. How about <laughs> that? Cameron Wake, you were excited, Wes. I was. We talked about how big of a factor he was uh, when we did the preview for this game. He had three sacks, the game-ending safety. He also had a strip sack fumble early in the game that caused a turnover. He was all over the field. And there was a really key play. I think it was third and eight in overtime. The Bengals were driving. If they got any closer, they were going to kick a field goal. And Wake beat his man on the right side to make Dalton get rid of the ball quickly. And they decide instead of kicking a 58-yard field goal, they decide to punt it. And that doesn't work out. It's a little weird because Mike Nugent hit a 54-yarder. Just a few minutes before. For the before, second time in three weeks to end the game. With plenty well, of distance. And no one, no one's criticizing Marvin Lewis for that, for not going for the field goal. Well, You know, the Dolphins basically saved their season here. But I look at this game as a preview of the Bengals in January because, I'm sorry, I can't get on board this train. I find them dull to watch just as a fan. And I see them going into January losing the first playoff game that they play just like this. Wait, it's a bad podcast job by all of us because the biggest story here is Gino story here is Gino Atkins blew out his knee. And I I'm in my end around column that's going up later today, I wrote that the thing that annoys me is that I thought the Bengals were shaping up as the biggest curiosity in January, what would happen with them when they finally make the leap. But how they how do they overcome this? This is their best player and he's gone. I don't think they do overcome it. I think he's one of the 10 to 12 best players in the league and one of the three or four best defensive players in the league. He's irreplaceable. Does this, West play into your uh, theory that Pittsburgh is going to climb back into this thing? <laughs> <laughs> it does play into that, although I'm not sold on that theory. They, they do have a deep defense. They don't have a lot of defensive tackles necessarily, but they do have a lot of linemen and a good front seven. I don't think their defense is going to collapse. I think it comes back to what we said. You know, our TNF preview looked perfect going into that game because Chris was talking about, you know, Dalton has these three-game stretches, but then he takes a step back. The defense played well enough to win last night. It was really the offense that wasn't consistent enough. And Dalton, you know, he made some really nice throws. I think we shouldn't forget that in last night's game, but he just had those two that were off target. And when you're not a big playmaker, you can't make mistakes like that. He deeply disappointed Mike Mayock on those two uh, interception. He threw three. The third one wasn't his fault, but the other two, uh, you could tell Mayak was very frustrated because I think he wants to see Dalton rise, and you know he did take a step back, which maybe plays into the AD scale. Well, and it probably should be said that Kevin Coyle, the Dolphins' defensive coordinator, used to be the Bengals' defensive backs coach, probably knows a little bit of something about sitting on those out routes that Dalton throws that he doesn't have the arm strength to pull it off. And both of the interse- the first two interceptions came on out routes where the ball placement wasn't good enough. Although he had six third and longs that he converted and a lot of really nice throws too. So it was a it was a lot going on in that game. I mean, there was the Grimes play, they had the Gio Bernard play, they had the Lamar Miller. Everyone trashes Thursday night football every week, and this <laughs> game was great. Don't forget the fourteen point swing on the very shaky Jermaine Gresham holding holding penalty that negated a Marvin Jones fifty yard touchdown. 
that play happened away from the actual run after the catch, it didn't have an effect on the play, and they still called a holding. And then Brent Grimes' pick six came about three plays later. Does anyone take Cincinnati seriously as a real AFC threat? Not anymore. Yeah, because of this one game? Because of Atkins. Because of Geno Atkins. I do. I think crazier things have happened, and I think they're the favorites to get a home game in the playoffs and that they'll be better than they were last year in the playoffs, that they'll be a better team. Can you name the last time they won a playoff game? (laughs) Was Boomer involved? I want to say 1988. I I would think, I feel pretty confident that it was on the way to the 88. The 88-89 Super Bowl. So the AFC <laughs> Championship against Buffalo. Is that right? I think that's right. They may have won in 89 or 90, but they haven't won since then. Win West's toaster is going to have to include a question about the uh, 89 Bengals next time. <laughs> before, before we move on to all the other games, we have to give some love to the only in-house guest in the history of the, the Around the League podcast, Brian Hartline, with a huge catch. Off a huge throw from Ryan Tannehill. 118 left in the game. The season's on the line. I felt like the Dolphins are donezo if they don't win this game. Then Tannehill takes a sack. It's second and 17. It looks like they're done at that point. Tannehill makes a couple great throws, including the one to Hartline that put them in field goal range. That was one of the best plays of the Maybe not the best play of the year, but it was a great play. Deja vu to the Stafford to Chris Durham play right down the sideline. Had, had to be an exact right spot for it to happen. All right. Good job, guys. Let's move on. By the way, Greg, that is your second uh, Dunzo Laguna Beach reference on the podcast. So one away from the hat trick. I don't even know. I've never seen Laguna Beach, actually. I, it's not a reference. That was a not term popularized by Jay Cutler's now wife. I can't believe Dunzo was ever popularized. Well, Dunzo's been Huge. a phrase for, I feel like, for a long time. For, since, since she coined since, it. Since Laguna before Beach, that. 2004. Uh, I'm going to go back and find someone <laughs> that, that I feel like that, that word probably had its heyday right around 1984 or so. 84. Wow. we got to dig in on this. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, go through now all the games of the week. We go through every Sunday game and the Monday game, and uh, we will start with our favorites. Greg, we'll begin with you. The uh, New England Patriots and Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, one of the great matchups of the previous decade. Should we get excited about it in current form? I think we should because the Steelers badly need this game. If you know Ben Roethlisberger called it a must win, I don't know what that means. Does that mean their season's over? No, if they lose. But at this point, for any chance that the Steelers have to get back in this thing, these two teams usually play a close game. They're two teams that we're still not quite sure what they are. I, I watch the Steelers, and I swear every week I convince myself they actually could be pretty good. Like their defense has stretches where they've looked great. Palomalo, I think, is playing really well, uh, but they just can't put it together. They always find a way to blow it. Yeah, they um, they played two different halves last week. They got dominated in the first half, and then they shut the Raiders down in the second half. You never know which Steelers team's going to show up. I think they can beat just about anybody on the right day. I think the Patriots are going to have a hard time scoring against them. I think the Steelers' defense is pretty good, and the way the Patriots' offense is playing right now, that this is going to be a fairly low-scoring game. Which brings me to uh, one of my favorite parts of the midseason awards was seeing where people have Tom Brady ranked in several people. <laughs> not not to name any names, have Tom Brady as the first-half MVP as if they're just going out on this limb and they don't want to pick Peyton Manning because it's too obvious. And to me, that's how, that's how you know who's not watching the games. 
Tom Brady has missed 15 more throws than any other quarterback in the league, according to ESPN Stats, Inc., which tracks off-target throws. He is not playing well. The one reason why I did pick the Patriots in this game, because I thought Brady threw better last week than he has all year, despite the small stats. He did have a really nice touchdown to Gronkowski that got called back on a penalty. I thought he made some progress last week. Isn't this just a better football team than Pittsburgh? Why? I mean, we're talking about how Pittsburgh can beat any team in the league and all this. I, I think Pittsburgh's one loss away from being cooked. I agree with that, which is why it makes it interesting. It's not a great slate of games. That's why this is up top. It, but the history of the Steelers, I still think. I guess I still think they have a chance. We're talking about that seasons flip around at midseason. Some teams are going to emerge. They still seem like the most likely to me. I, the Patriots haven't played a game yet where they've impressed me. Not one. Well, you're hard to impress. They haven't played well. I mean, they they had a soft schedule they're, early. I think their defense is very playing soft schedule very well. early. Their defense played pretty well. They've lost Will Fork and Mayo. Teams have been running on them to the tune of 155 yards a game since Will Fork went out. This isn't an imposing team, and they haven't put a game together yet where you said, hey, that's a playoff team. They've been a little better than the sum of their parts. Devin McCourty's playing better. Defense is playing well. All right, let's move on to our next game. Uh, Wes, I'll throw this one to you. The Atlanta Falcons, you talk about must-wins. This is essentially a must-win for them, and they're facing the surging Carolina Panthers, one of uh, ATL's favorite teams this season. We've devoted a lot of time for, to the Panthers. I just want to kind of clarify some comments I've made on Matt Ryan. He got slammed for last week's game. I thought he played really well last week, even with the four interceptions. He's uh, When I said he would fall flat on his face, that was hyperbole for podcast effect. <laughs> you don't lose a guy like Julio Jones and then lose Roddy White and keep playing the same way, especially when your offensive line doesn't block and your running game is not existent. But there are not five quarterbacks in the league who have outplayed Matt Ryan this year. If you were having to pick... That MVP, is a turnaround, Wes. He, I, I don't expect him to be successful in the second half of the season, but he has played well. And to me, it's striking how str- how much stronger his arm is now than two or three years ago. He's a much different quarterback. If you compare him to someone like Stafford, his timing, ex- execution, ball placement is head and shoulders above St- Stafford's. If you had to choose an MVP between Matt Ryan and Tom Brady, and those were your only two options, which would be stupid, you would have to choose Matt Ryan. Tom Brady is a ridiculous choice. He's and Matt thoroughly Ryan- outplayed Tom Brady. Matt Ryan's played great this year. That's why you can't look at win losses. Only. I'll go with Peyton Manning. Yeah. Now, Dan, that makes sense. I don't like the matchup, though, at all of Carolina's front four coming in and having to basically play an offensive line in Atlanta that got Matt Ryan knocked down 11 times last week and hasn't found a combination that works this season. And that's why it's hard to predict big things for Matt Ryan with some of his guys. Now, Roddy White looks like he might play game-time decision. I'm not sure that changes things that much. The Panthers are each even getting good play from their secondary, which was thought before the season to be an absolute disaster on that part of the defense. Well, I think you'll see Drew Davis stay in the starting lineup, even if Roddy plays. He's a bigger receiver, and they'll move Harry Douglas back to the slot. I, that's what I expect to happen. Douglas's numbers have been great, but when you watch the game, he's limited. They like to run bubble screens with him, slants, crossing routes, but he's not running a full route tree like a Roddy White or Julio Jones. It changes what they do in the passing. And game. they're getting nothing from Steven Jackson right now. That's that, that, This has not played out at all how the Falcons hoped it would. Right. All right, moving on. The New Orleans Saints uh, rolling this season. They now head to the Meadowlands to face the New York Jets coming off their worst game of the year. Um, Rex Ryan said earlier this week that 
Drew Brees would throw for 700 yards in this game if they didn't get better. I actually agree with that. But I do think the Jets will be better in this game. I think they'll keep it surprisingly competitive, but I think this is a, a Saints win. But it, I, I think they will make a game of it. Mark, what do you think? You know, this is the thing with the Jets. We've seen awful performance, and then we've seen Geno and the Jets look like a completely different team. I don't like that flip-flop this time around because the Saints' defense is... these. Obviously, the two Ryans know each other. They talk every week on the phone. They know what they're doing with it with the respective teams. And there's just too much talent here from New Orleans on a defensive front for the Jets to deal with, I think. I'd, I would have a hard time picking the Jets in this game. Two stats which support your theory, Dan. Rob yeah. Ryan has never won in four matchups with Rex Ryan when their two teams have played when they've both been coordinated. But you are the first person to say that well, his, this things is like history doesn't matter. No, you throw that stuff out the window every this time. This is different. There's schemes, and we're talking about them knowing each other a little bit. It, maybe. You're I right. think Mark right, might remember matter. the last meeting, Jets-Browns in yeah. Cleveland Browns Stadium, 2010, walk-offs, Antonio right, But that, right. shows, it, that shows how much it doesn't matter because right. you couldn't <laughs> have two different teams right here. All right, Mark's right. It doesn't matter. Second stat, maybe this matters. Don't I mean, get Mark so angry with this stat. The Saints, <laughs> the Saints aren't the same team on the road. They're not even close. Their offense, quietly, is not nearly as explosive this year as it has been in the past. Drew Brees' passer rating on the road this year is 40 points lower. They're, they're not that hard of a team to defend, especially on the road, because they don't have a real good vertical threat. The running game is terrible, and the offensive line is worse than it's been in years. That's a lot of things that aren't going right for them. And that was a truly awful performance by the Jets secondary last week. And, I, and you know, one thing about Rex Ryan teams is they do seem to bounce back well from that type of negative adversity. So I think they're going to play better on defense. And I think the, the key to this game is the, the front line of the Jets. If they could put pressure on Breeze, that changes everything. If they have an off game like they did um, last week, uh, they're, they're finished. They're cooked. So we'll see how that goes. All right, final game. Mark Sessler, I'm going to throw this one to you. The Green Bay Packers, uh, they are heading to Soldier Field on a Monday night. Uh, there will be no Jay Cutler on the field, uh, which obviously uh, changes things a bit. Josh McCown starting. Do they have any chance to hold off a very good Packers team? Well, you know, Josh McCown in years past, when you put him on the field, is it's an automatic loss. The guy cannot do anything. I, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, that he, he's obviously received some of the good coaching that Cutler has from Tressman because he's still Josh McCown. Let's not over overreact here. But the offense didn't look that different to me with him in there. They didn't have to suddenly yank 75% of the playbook out of the, out of the option here. I think Matt Forte is a huge part of this. But Green Bay's defense is playing better than uh, I thought they would personally. And I'll be real interested to see what Tressman has cooking here with McCown at the helm. Yeah, I, I was impressed by what he did against the Redskins, but that was the Redskins. Right. I mean, they had almost 300 yards of offense. Forget almost, you know, no big drop-off from Cutler. They were much better with McCown just for that just for that for one that, half. Well, hold yeah, on. They, they, they had, went crazy. They ended up with 499 yards in that game, and they had 45 at the half. Right. I do wonder how long Cutler's even going to be out. It sounds like he could be back next week. We all said, oh, the season's over for the Bears. He's out four weeks. And just the reading the tea leaves, it sounds like he might only miss one start. It might not end up being that big of a deal. They still have a defense problem. 
I could see Eddie Lacy running all over this defense. They haven't played well all year on, on defense. And Aaron Rodgers was on PTI this week. He he admitted that he was surprised that the running game has been this good. They are Eddie Lacy leads the NFL in rushing the past four weeks, and they are third in the NFL in rushing. And when you combine uh, Aaron Rodgers and when that wide receiver group gets healthy and you put that running game into it, they're a different team, especially in January when you got to chew up some clock. You know, you look at two teams. We just talked about the Jets. They go out and they draft D. Milliner, and you think this is our continuity plan from losing Revis, how poorly that's worked, and that affects the Jets. But then you look at Green Bay. We're going to use the draft to re-engineer our entire our running game that has been dead for years. It has worked, and this is a completely different team because of it on offense. That's great. Things worked out for the Packers and not for the Jets. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> Joke. A the, well the Bears defense shot. The Bears yeah. defense stinks, yeah, though. You're right. They could put up 45 points. Yeah. They, Lance Briggs was playing great, and now he's gone. Um, K. Rich behind the glass. You know what time it is. I do, guys. Defend your hero. Wow. Uh, a lot of aggro tendencies in uh, <laughs> Handsome Hank's voice this week. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, okay, so we have three hero picks this week. Uh, Greg and I are not involved, but we'll start with Chris Wesseling, who um, took the Houston Texans over the Indianapolis Colts, the only one of us to make that pick. Wes, defend your hero. I have been defending the Texans all year for some unknown reason. I don't know why I keep <laughs> picking them. This week, for two primary reasons, I really liked what I saw from Case Keenum. I thought he played better in his one start than Schaub has in any start this year. They ran some pistol. They opened up the offense. He was very accurate, made good decisions, looked like a savvy veteran in the pocket. Uh, I loved what I saw from him. I think their offense operates on a higher level when he's in there. And the Colts are just losing too many weapons on offense. I have utmost faith in Andrew Luck. But Reggie Wayne is a huge loss. I think this is the first game since 1998 that the Colts will be out without Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne. So that continuity is gone. Dwayne Allen was a huge loss for this offense. Ahmad Bradshaw's gone. They're just kind of losing weapons once a week. And at some point, you wonder what they're going to do on offense. They're not running the ball, so let's see what they do in the air. Hayward Bay's not fully healthy. He's expected to play. Greg Toller, who's been very good for them, is not going to play in this game, which I think is a big loss. Isn't it a bad sign for Matt Schaub's uh, employment that the Texans, much more interesting, compelling team with Case Keenum at <laughs> quarterback? Well, I think that's underselling Case Keenum a little bit. But, yes, it's, uh, it's obviously a bad sign for Schaub. I, this is I, a fascinating I game, I think. Go ahead. No, you, I was going to say, I picked the Colts because I just find them to be such a, a tough team. The teams they beat in Seattle and the 49ers, it's like they can kind of go toe-to-toe with everyone. And uh, I'd be real surprised if Houston won this just based on the fact that, you know, the Colts kind of got it going on. That, that If I had to switch my Super Bowl pick, I'd put Indy in the Super Bowl right now. One point I would like to make, Wes, you're pointing out that the Colts are losing a lot of weapons, and they are. This will be uh, the first game without Brian Cushing for the Texans, correct? Yes. So that that's obviously they, – they swooned a bit without him when he first went down. So you would you would think that could be a big issue for them as well against an Andrew Luck team. I'm sticking with my fascinating game. I was shocked that you dropped a fascinating on I this game. I think if but, I could uh, watch one game this week, this is it. You know, we wowza. think we well, think you this, can do that. This is this. <laughs> I can watch a lot of games. Uh, 
this is a team we think the story's already written, and I'm I'm kind of like West that I'm not so sure that it is. I still think there's so much talent on this defense, and there's a lot in the DNA of this team. And the Colts, who lost in San Diego, they lost to Miami. They've beaten really great teams, but I don't think they're a dominant team. I think it's going to be a really good team. It's a great rivalry in the AFC South. The division champion has been... A, from one of these teams nine of the last ten years. I just think this is a time in Keenum maybe with the Texans that they stand up. Maybe I should have picked them. (laughs) It sounds like you should have picked them. Um, All right, let's move on. Mark Sessler, you are a Cleveland Browns fan. People that listen to the show know that. Uh, You believe that the Baltimore Ravens will go into Cleveland and fall at the hands of Jason Campbell and company. Mark Sessler, defend your hero. Cleveland has not beaten Baltimore since Derek Anderson was the quarterback, and they knocked off Kyle <laughs> Ah, the Bowler. salad days. This defense is starting out terribly. 2007. <laughs> well, no, and, and for a long, long time, it's you know been Clarence real easy. Darum. It's been easy to look at this matchup and say, you know what, Cleveland will not win. This is one time that I feel a little bit differently just because I look at Baltimore, and they are as beatable as they've been in a long, long time. Joe Flacco, still Joe Flacco, but in a good way and also in a bad way. I think he's been inconsistent. I don't see a lot of weapons on that offense that put me in great fear that Cleveland's defense can't handle what they have coming at them. I think this is a more even situation than we've seen in a while. Jason Campbell still is a total wild card to me, but I like Cleveland in a tight, tight game. Sessler. And usually, I feel like you don't really pick with your heart when it comes to the Browns. You don't well, go out of your way. I picked against them a bunch this year, to be honest. So it's, I, I really do think they'll win. This, well, this is either a stat that I saw this week or that I just made up right now. Let's go with number two. But uh, I don't think John Harbaugh has ever lost a game coming out of a bye week. We got to get on the stats and information department. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be true. I just want to. <laughs> I, I just want to intimidate. Mark By the way, a this bit. goes back to with this pick segment one built-in uh, advantage that Greg has. Uh, Mark and I are both. You know, Mark's a Browns fan. I'm a Jets fan. Wes doesn't have a team. Uh, sometimes Mark and I get excited and we pick our team in these in this this picks game we play just because we want them to win so bad. Greg does the same thing, but he has the Patriots, which really, when you think about it, probably gives him like three to five games in the standings every season. Oh, well, and his I second favorite unfair. team, the Saints. I have I have two <laughs> a, hero picks with the Patriots this year. Well, my point I feel like being that just that, points out you guys are stupid. Well, no, because no, I don't think so. Because if you, you know, you can get behind a Patriots team when people <laughs> doubt them, and they're still going to win twelve or thirteen games. The Jets and Browns combine for that much almost every year. I don't know. I'm just pointing out something. <laughs> it's a fair point. I, I, There's some I, real heat in this room, and I like it. I feel like with this Ravens team, how bad their offense is. This is the Super Bowl defending champions, uh, the Super Bowl MVP and Joe Flacco, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. And the how bad their offense is is almost getting overlooked. We're just like, oh, yeah, their offense is, is bad. I mean, they're one of the three or four worst offenses in the league that defend the champions. Yeah. They've jo- gotten more out of that defense than they ever could have hoped for this year. Joe Flacco, earn your money. Get this team to the playoffs because you have a good defense. I know you're not getting a lot from Ray Rice, which is totally submarine this getting offense. Getting nothing from Ray Rice. Yeah. But Absolutely nothing. If you are – you got paid all that money, Joe. You gotta you gotta put them on your back a little bit here. Well, you know this offensive line for Baltimore is not has not played well, and they don't play well right up at the middle with their center. And I, I think that Cleveland's interior defensive line could have a field day here. Wesley, you got to play a game this weekend. You're coaching, or you're the GM. 
You need a running back. Are you going with Sean Green or Ray Rice? Honestly, I'm going with Sean Green from what I've seen. Yeah, Sean Ray Green. Rice. <laughs> I, Ray Rice has been 3. awful 8. this year, and maybe it's because of that early season hip injury. He just We noticed last night that Gio Bernard is making lateral jump cuts, as Mike Mayock used to say. Ray Rice hasn't made a lateral jump cut all year. He's just not the same back this year. That's fair. Uh, let's move on to our third hero pick. You know, uh, Kevin Patra made this choice. He took the Bills over the undefeated Chiefs, uh, which seems strange considering the Bills' quarterback situation. Uh, this is becoming a new segment where we need someone to defend um, Patra's pick, and I'm just going to pick someone at random in this room to defend the pick. Mark Sessler, defend Patra's hero. The reason I see this potentially wow, happening he's right on the ball. Ball. Wow. is that the Chiefs You're going to attempt this. They continue to not score points. And if something strange happens, it's not unlike last week with Cleveland. Greg and I agreed that if something had happened where the Browns had had a special teams touchdown or a pick six, bang, they would have won that game. Buffalo needs something very, very strange to happen. But my real defense of Patra is when you get a quarterback switch this late in the game, He's allowed to switch his pick. Is that correct? I told him that today because he he thought Thad Lewis was going to start this game when he made the pick. <laughs> right. But he says he's sticking with it. Well, he's then, not I, then I cannot defend it because Thad Lewis <laughs> gives you a different thing. Kansas City's defense, we've talked about them being a team that's not going to win a playoff game. One thing that is legit is this defense has been consistently good game to game. Well, two points here. Dan has picked up a few wins this year by picking the Bills at home when we've gone against them. Yeah. They've been a very squirrely home team this year. Let's go through the results for a second. They lost almost at the buzzer against the Patriots. They beat your Panthers. They beat the Ravens. And they almost beat the Bengals in Thad Lewis's you know, game where he came in overtime. That's pretty good. Well, my second point is I'm very proud of our podcast that we don't have a, a head on a popsicle stick whenever we have to act like we're defending. <laughs> when, when, you're, when you're speaking for Patra, we don't have these childish antics like a head on a popsicle stick, which is incredibly lame. Wow. I don't <laughs> know. Shots what, fired. Wait, what does that mean? I've seen other shows do a lot this. Of, there's a lot of head on popsicle sticks right, going around because, on TV because lately. Because one show I'm does it, every other show has to do it. Oh, and I see. You okay. should know from the first time you saw it how incredibly lame it was, so you don't have to copy it anyway. And copying things is unoriginal and shouldn't be done in the first place. All right, Bang. I like that. And one thing, I love our, our convoluted, <laughs> unwritten rule book with this stupid picks thing we do. We're like, oh, yeah, well, it's, it says in the, in the guidelines that you could change your pick uh, if, if the it, quarterback's out. If there's a quarterback, out. yes. Like, of course it makes sense. We take, we take our job very seriously is what I'm saying. T- to be Which clear, by the way, we don't know who's starting at quarterback in this game. Jeff Toole is the most likely starter. The Bills are going to test Thad Lewis out on Saturday to see if he can throw. Matt Flynn is somehow still in the mix, but no one really expects him to be. Marone thought Lewis has a chance to play, but he's listed as doubtful, and he hasn't been able to throw a football or move his torso sideways all week, which would seem to eliminate your chances. I still like that better than Jeff Toole. Anytime there are torso <laughs> issue, issues, you know there's a problem. Jeff Toole can't throw even while he's moving his torso. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on now to... The Orphans of the Week, uh, these are the games that we didn't uh, draw as the spotlight games, that they weren't hero picks, but they deserve respect. So we're going to go through them all. And we'll start 
with the Minnesota Vikings, who head to Dallas to play the Cowboys. It was announced Friday that Christian Ponder will be starting for the Vikings. Mark Sessler, you tell me, will that make a difference? I think it's hard to argue that any one of these three quarterbacks makes a real big difference in terms of the season here. You know, what a disaster. People are going to lose their jobs over this debacle down in Minnesota. I just I don't think you've got you up go, in Minnesota. Up in Minnesota. Well, who knows? People could be listening somewhere else. It's it's probably right in some parts of the country. You know, listen, Dallas has to well, win. Man, not many though. Dallas in another has country. to win this football game. This is an eight and eight football team that cannot do one thing consistently week to week. It's like this is your chance to go in and hammer a bad football team. If they can't get it done, I really don't know what to say about the Cowboys. I mean, Jared Allen said, you know, down in Minnesota. This is one of the worst defenses he's ever seen. And they usually like defense in the South. Uh, but I have, no th- I have nothing left to say. Wait, <laughs> the Vikings defense is one of the worst? Yes, that, it was the, one of the worst defenses performances that he's ever been a part of. And right now, it has to be one of the worst defenses Jared Allen's ever played on. It's one of the worst defenses in football, certainly. And cheers to Des Bryant vindication, by the way, uh, that the video NFL films played. Didn't really understand much what he was saying. A lot of screaming and ho- hollering, but it didn't seem like he was, you know, going after teammates or anything, which is what, you know, a lot of people assumed. And Brian Billick just completely buried uh, Des during the Fox telecast. Uh, turned out not to be the case. So, you know, one of the Dez dumbest storylines of the entire Billick season. was not alone in this, and I would. I don't know. I would hope that some people learned lessons about being presumptuous and jumping to conclusions on something they can't know anything about ahead of time, but that's never going to happen. All right, we'll move on now. Uh, (laughs) We all picked the Cowboys, by the way. We did. We all picked the Cowboys. Moving on, and if you want to see all our picks, you go to the Around the League uh, blog where we have our picks in a post that was uh, put up Thursday, so if you scroll down for about 10 minutes, you'll get to it. So good luck with that. search it. Yeah, search Google. it out. But use Google, too. Don't use the NFL.com search function. All right, moving forward. The, te- the Titans now, they're going to St. Louis. Um, Wes, you tell me about this game. Why should I be excited about this? Well, the Rams don't exist. We buried them a week or two ago, so mm. they don't even matter. But yeah. uh, <laughs> Sad. But, but there's true. a player in the Titans game that I wrote about yesterday, Kendall Wright whom their coaching staff is really high on. His numbers don't jump off the page. But it's interesting that he's on pace for 90 catches in one of the run-heaviest offenses in the league. And uh, their head coach, Mike Munchek, called him basically uncoverable. And he could have 10 catches a game if they wanted him to, which I believe. He could, he could get 9 or 10 catches a game. He's playing really well. In our Making the Leap series in the offseason, we kind of compared him to T.Y. Hilton in a run-after-catch ability. Wright was overweight last year. He's been every bit as good as Hilton after the catch this year. He looks he looks streamlined this year. I love how we almost you know, we right off the Saints or right off the uh, St. Louis Rams here, and they come within a couple plays of beating the Seahawks. They really that w- they were trying to make a statement, but then there's only so much of a statement you can make when Kellen Clemens is trying to take it home, which is did. exactly why we wrote them off. Right. Do you think that uh, you know the combination of Quinn and Long have a chance against Tennessee's line? I mean, it seems like that would be a good matchup for the Rams. Do they have, they have a chance against anybody's line? They're that especially, good, especially on turf. But you know, you mentioned Wright making the leap. Not a lot of quarterbacks necessarily making the leap this year. Jake Locker is one of the single biggest personal surprises to me of the season. I think his play has gotten overlooked because he's played in Tennessee and because he got hurt and missed a few games. But when he came back in from the injury, it was just like before. If if Colin Kaepernick 
or Robert Griffin III had put together the games that Jake Locker has been putting together, everyone would be talking about them. It was like, wow, he's really playing great. He, I did not have high hopes for Jake Locker, and he's played terrific. Isn't he on pace for like 18 touchdowns and two picks this season? He looks great, and I, yeah, I agree. I'm very surprised that he's played so well early on. I mean, he was, you know, there was a, an especially terrible Jets-Titans game at the end of last season where he was going pass for horrible pass with Sanchez, and he just looked like a guy that would never master things from an accuracy standpoint, but he, he seems to have make, made some big leaps in that department. That's the thing with him. He throws a few passes each game that are really impressive, and he hasn't. He hasn't. He's not the most accurate quarterback in the league, but he, he seems like he's improved that. All right, we'll move on. The San Diego Chargers coming off their bye. They will face the Washington Redskins. Looking forward to this one. Philip Rivers in the middle of a, a big uh, comeback campaign. He's against RG three and the Redskins, uh, who really need this game, and RG three needs this game coming off a really uh, tough uh, performance against the Broncos. I read a really interesting piece by Sally Jenkins in the Washington Post where she questioned um, RG three's. Basically, his inability to uh, show any sign of progress, and he hasn't been changing uh, plays at the line of scrimmage, and just the general feeling that maybe he's plateauing when he shouldn't be at all. Um, What do you guys think, Wes? I read the same piece. I've read a couple of overreaction pieces to RG3, just like the week before. I read many overreaction pieces saying he's the same player as 2012. Neither of these stories is accurate. He's he's playing poorly because he's not the same physically as he was last year. It doesn't really have anything to do with his adjustments at the line of scrimmage. RG3 is the same quarterback. He just can't do what he did last year. It affects his passing. It affects his running. One of the reasons I picked the Redskins this week is because of that overreaction to how badly he played last week. That doesn't mean he's going to play badly this week. But he's missed a lot of throws consistently for about a month. Is that fair to say? Yes. And he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league last year. Well, it depends on your offense. He was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league because they're running pistol. They're running these plays that highlight his strength as a passer and get more. it creates a, a system where the receivers are more open. When, you, when they're running that type of plays. And this year, those linebackers are going to close faster when, when his legs aren't as much of a threat and when they're not running the same plays, which they haven't been running. Yeah, if they lose this game, they are 2-6, and six, which would tie them with the Giants at the bottom of the NFC East, and the four committee would definitely have to get to, to get together. <laughs> they, the oh, Redskins yeah. burned us last year, but the committee, at least, it needs to be discussed. They were 2-5 and five last year at this point. They were also 3-6, and six, so they've... They've been in this spot, but I I just can't see this defense bouncing back. If Mike Shanahan and a is, different RG three, like right, you know, both in terms of where he's just at in the headspace and physically with the knees, just a different dude right now. As I've kind of adopted the Chargers as as one of my teams this year, and I'm interested to see what their defense looks like because they look like one of the worst in the entire league for about five weeks, and then the last two weeks they've only given up 15 points combined to the Colts and granted the Jaguars, but had a great performance against the Colts. So. If they have a decent defense, they're going to be a playoff contender, maybe that wild card. All right, we'll move on. The Eagles, you know, Michael Vick had another injury last week, so now he's out of the mix for a while. Nick Foles is back in, uh, heading to Oakland, the black hole. The Raiders surging towards six wins, as as Wes knows. Um, Greg, how do you see this game playing out? I never know what to expect when I watch the Eagles from week to week. It feels like defenses are getting a beat on them, but I think Foles, 
they don't throw the ball deep nearly as much with him. The yards per catch numbers are way down for all their receivers, even on the good games when Foles plays. So that, to me, is a concern. But I, I'm not quite buying into the whole Terrell Pryor hype train. I think he's a quarterback that can be stopped, and I think this will be a defensive game. And it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the, the Eagles win this game 16-6, to something like that. The, the Raiders do not have a sustaining offense. I agree with you, by the way, on Pryor. I know he's made a lot of great plays this year, and he had a 93-yard touchdown run last week. The guy was obviously the the, the quarterback to go to uh, in Oakland. But I, I saw a tweet or someone wrote something last week that, you know, Chip Kelly, if he had Terrell Pryor, his entire, everything would change. I'm not ready to all of a sudden say Terrell Pryor is the next Randall Cunningham. I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on this. He didn't do anything after. Just because Terrell Pryor can run does not make him a perfect Chip right. Kelly no. quarterback. Well, I'm that not ready to say that to me. the Eagles are going to hold anyone to six points. Their defense has played okay the They're, last couple weeks. They have shut down running games, which people don't understand. Fletcher Cox and uh, Cedric Thornton are stopping the run as well as any defensive ends in the league. You know what's funny, though, is we expected this team to be, if nothing else, interesting, and they really aren't that interesting right now. They, no, I've watched, right. I watched every one of their last three or four games. Crystal, give me... The entertainment value that you're getting out of the Eagles. Entertainment? I think if you're not a fan, you would be entertained. But for us, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> I don't even know if you're entertained. There's not a lot going on here to be excited about with the with this Eagles team. Okay, Rich, as an Eagles fan, you have to admit, in August, you were so excited for the offense to become this unstoppable, world-changing juggernaut. It's not happening. Dan, this is the thing. This is a reoccurring <laughs> theme. Every preseason, every every start of the season, Fair. we get built up. We get sure. so much excitement and anticipation for the season, and it goes straight downhill. Now, Jeffrey Lurie made a very interesting comment saying that we need to be concentrated on finding a franchise quarterback, and we all thought that was Vic. And I thought that was Vic, and it's hard as a fan of his since he was with the Falcons to let him go. But I agree with him. Although I think it's been clear for a while that Vic is – He's got a couple games left, and he's out of Philly. And Laurie's comments also were, this is a chance for Foles to show us basically who he is, what he is, but I don't think that's the answer either. Well, I'd like to cap this off by saying this is one of the benefits of being a fan agnostic. (laughs) You don't have to worry about every August building up this this unreasonable expectation that you're going to have. You you don't have to feel anything. No, you don't. Just a robot going he through life nothing. until you die. <laughs> I have no soul. You're That's Zach not Braff an argument for State. human experience, though. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a nihilist. You're, yeah, you're Braff in Garden State. You're throwing out all your pills. You're sta- staring at yourself in the mirror. You need a Natalie Portman type figure. I need someone, t- Natalie Portman to ease my pain. <laughs> uh, no, no movie has aged worse than that movie. No. I thought it was great at the time. It's terrible. Garden State? Yeah. I terrible. haven't watched it since a year after it came out. I feel embarrassed for both myself and Braff when I watch it. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, one more game. Mark, let's knock it out. I, I'm going to throw it to you. Tampa Bay, 0-7. Mike Lennon, the NFL's worst dancer, going into Seattle. A Percy Harvinless Seattle, but still a dominant home team. This is going to be destruction, correct? Yeah, this is not this does not look good for the Bucks. I mean, how could – I don't think any one of us came close to even thinking about picking Tampa Bay here, correct? I – they haven't not. picked Tampa Bay once all year. Seattle just seems to be, you know, the only issues that we saw, I think, for Seattle is the, their offensive line 
is showing some some cracks here. Right. Uh, in Tampa Bay, not a terrible defense, but although not good in the last couple of weeks, it's not a good formula. Glennon, you know, they're trying to rebuild their offense in the middle of the year with Glennon has shown a little bit of promise, but not against this defense. I'm going Seattle. Yeah, the, Seattle did not have a good offensive performance. 135 total yards on Monday, um, and including, what was it, 80 on the Golden Tate touchdown? Yeah. So you take that out, and that was... 39 yards on the other 50 plays or something like good that. Good job by 50 you guys. 50 yards on the other 39 uh, plays. So, yes, they will, they're going to have to prove themselves down the road, but here they won't. I'm, you know, I'm sure it's going to be an easy win. No Percy Rice, no, no Percy Harvin, no Sidney Rice, but then mm. if you look at the Bucks. They lose Doug Martin and Mike Williams, and they had a lot less that they could afford to lose. And half their offensive line is M- MRSA or some version of staff <laughs> yeah. infection. So. Which is bad, which is not good. It's not good. Um, okay, so that is week nine. Uh, we will be back on Sunday. We will go over all the Sunday games. It will be exciting. A um, couple shout-outs before we get out of here. This was midseason award week. Handsome Hank, the notorious DOP, Director of Programming, assigned all of us massive amounts of work <laughs> on top of the weekly work that we do. And, uh, you know, I, Greg, you, I think everyone came through. There's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, let's see. The midseason report, top five position rankings by Wes. Check that out. That was great. Mark, his game rewind piece. I always enjoy it. Five midseason trends for Mark. Greg, uh, hit a homer on the midseason rankings of his QB index, and then I posted uh, this morning the midseason awards, uh, which is a kind of a mirthy stew. A little more of a ground rule double? I would say, yeah, like one of those fan interference on a grounder down the third baseline. Okay. So you put you go track <laughs> all those down uh, and read them and then know more about football. So that that's what I would say. Yeah. Good. Check out our picks too, since we didn't actually tell you what our picks were for most of this podcast. Yeah, just you get, yeah, you're just gonna have to dig through the uh, the archives. You'll find it somewhere. We were uh, split on the Raiders treasure. game. We were split on the Chargers. It doesn't matter. All right, so we'll be back Sunday. This is Dan Hansa signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, K Rich behind the glass, and Lyle, the worthless ATL intern. <laughs> Until Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.